are working day and night getting series 10 of the Lennon Corny podcast ready. But in the meantime, here's a favourite episode from season 9, The Thinking Woman's Guide to the Supernatural. In this episode, we both shared childhood ghostly experiences and Dr. Sonia explains where our obsession with the occult comes from. Once you've listened, follow at Lennon Courtney on all social channels for the latest news from LCHQ. Or we'll haunt you. See you soon. I'm Sonia Lennon. And I'm Brendan Courtney. And you're listening to the Lennon Courtney Podcast. This week's episode is Out of This World. We're taking on the supernatural. We ask, is there life beyond and in between and all that we see around us? <laughs> Do you know what a ghost favourite dessert is? No. Ice cream! <laughs> That joke will haunt me forever. Uh, this is the Thinking Woman's Guide to the Supernatural. Ooh. I, I have a good reason for wanting to do the Supernatural. Yeah. Because it's quite clickbaity, first of all. And I find at dinner parties, right, if you start to talk about Supernatural, it does divide opinion whether or not Supernatural, life after death, actually exists. So uh, I grew up in a haunted house. Mm. I'll tell you more in a minute. Give me your factoids. <laughs> well, did you know that COVID has affected ghosts too? No! <laughs> oh, yes, they have. <laughs> I don't believe it. No, I've written it down, Brendan, so we're going to say it. In a 2021 interview, Irish Paranormal Investigations, IPI, one of Ireland's leading paranormal investigation groups, told the Irish Independent that activity had also significantly increased in people's homes over the, over the COVID period. IPI official Anne Massey said that it was common for stepovers for the spirit world to rise during times of societal trauma. You're fascinated, gobsmacked, yeah. And the next fact, and then we'll leave it at that, it said that Ireland's first vampire is buried in Glenullen in County Derry. Carry on. So I used to say a thing to my sister when we were growing up. She'd, she'd say, oh, so-and-so said such and such. And I'd say, well, you have to take the thing and the person that said the thing and see if they match up. So the Irish Paranormal Investigator Society are, are kind of, they have an agenda to say that there are more ghosts during COVID, wouldn't you say? I don't know. I, I'm deeply upset by your cynicism, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, of course they have an agenda to say because we, they believe it. They believe that paranormal activity exists. So my, I was listening to, I can't even remember what it was, or reading something about somebody who had taken a cynic and then a ghost hunter into a haunted house. And it was really interesting. And the cynic and the ghost hunter actually started to agree on on fundamental issues around life and death. It was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me thinking. So when I grew up, in Kulak, we were told the house was haunted. Imagine telling kids the house was haunted. And we were told it was haunted by a little girl and a man. And Now hang on, did the little girl and the man tell you it was haunted or were they haunting the house? Well, it was over the course of a number of years, it evolved that a little girl had been seen standing in the front window upstairs when people were cycling home from guides or people were coming around from work. That We would think it was Suzanne or Deborah in the window. When we get there, they hadn't been upstairs. And then uh, the man lived in the attic and he would come down and scare us. And we believed this. It was all hysteria. Yes. Now. And it was hysteria because it was kind of funny and scary. It's like a ghost train. Um, so we kind of were as terrified of it as kids, but loved it. But I kind of had a, a sort of a, a moment of clarity, if you like, not even an epiphany where I was like, I think this is horse shit when I was about 14 or 15. And I think if you... You know, you can get yourself into a state that you can actually believe you're hearing noises or you believe you're seeing things that aren't there. And then try and challenge people who do believe it. So 
Another really interesting story is myself and Deborah and Jeff, her husband, we were in our 20s and we went to a friend of ours, Norman's, who lives in an old schoolhouse in Wicklow. A terrifying place. Beautiful. He's renovated. It's gorgeous. And he said it was haunted by a couple of children that had died in the, ho- in the old schoolhouse. And we were all really drunk. I'll never forget. There's about 10 people for dinner and Deborah went upstairs and came back down white and said she'd seen a little boy in the landing. And I said... You didn't see anything. And she sort of hit me in the shoulder. And she was I did see it. And I was like, she's doolally, ignore her. But it was all quite funny. I knew she cringes every time I point that out. So people can get caught up in the moment. And I think that is, it comes down to, so I'll, I'll tell you my ghost story first, anyway, Woo! before we, we before we take the whole thing apart. Um, so I remember being in, uh, I must have been about maybe seven, uh, in the house I grew up with, uh, the house I grew up in and my my dad's room was on the front of the house uh, mum and dad's room was in the front, at the front of the house and my room was also at the front of the house and um, I woke up one uh, night in the middle of the night and I, I felt something moving above me through the room and out the other side of the wall something felt really strange and um, I went into my parents room and I said oh there's ghost in my room can I sleep in yours and my dad was awake and he said yeah no problem slept in the bed between the two of them and it was only years later that he told me that he had woken up in a jolt in a cold sweat felt something moving through the room from the outer wall of his room through and he said he he was aware when it had passed through his wall and moved out of his room and that's when I came in and said there's a ghost in my room can I sleep in yours what do you think of that now so now I think that it could be any number of things. Like I think what? it's a really good story, but I think that there is... I was a seven-year-old kid. It's very likely that I could have woken up with a nightmare, you know, and, and gone and asked to sleep in my parents' room. I think my dad could also have woken up with a nightmare or could have, you know, I don't know, maybe wasn't well at the time, maybe had a cold or a slight fever or something like that. Maybe stuff was on his mind. I mean, I think... Looking at it, and and I really am kind of interested in this stuff. I read a book recently by uh, one of my favourite authors called Richard Wiseman. I've spoken before about his book, The Luck Factor. But he wrote, wrote a book called Paranormality, where he kind of looked at all the paranormal phenomenon and the role that human psychology and the brain plays on how we perceive paranormal mm. activity. Um, and the 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 problem with the human brain it is, is that it's highly susceptible and suggestible. And, you, you know, you talked about hysteria earlier on. I think, you know... Yeah, I my such... mum and my sister want to believe it. So they'll say, and then the pot fell off the shelf and I'm sure... So, but nobody pushed them. Yeah, but they could have. Yeah, but they didn't. Yeah, but they could have. Yeah, but they didn't. So their mind is already leaning in the but they could have yeah. side of belief as opposed to discounting it as just either wind or a coincidence or somebody hit it or you know or, or just tumbled off the shelf. And it's not necessarily about cynicism either. It's not about debunking it for the sake of it. Because this the this guy, Richard Wiseman, um is he has spent twenty five years researching um psychology and the paranormal and he's a magician, right? So he he's he's sleight of hand and he he's in the magic circle and all that kind of stuff, which is not the same as paranormal. But he he loves the idea of of tricking the brain and he wants to understand more about it. And you know, it's 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 been really difficult. It's been absolutely impossible to prove that m- mediums have the power to 
to see what's not in front of them. But it's also been equally impossible to prove that they can't. So, so we're dealing with a lot of stuff and we're dealing with only really beginning to understand how the brain perceives reality and what they even call reality. There's a fantastic experiment called the rubber hand experiment Ooh. where you set up um, a fake hand uh, a little mini wall and your own hand on the other side of it. Um, and the the researcher, wait, wait till you hear this. So you have a, a fake hand in front of you. You've your one real hand, one fake hand and your other real hand behind a little wall. And the researcher strokes both the fake hand and the real hand behind the wall with a little um, paintbrush. And within a couple of minutes, you are feeling sensation in the rubber hand that's in sight. And that's what you believe to be a real hand. So how we perceive our own bodies, um, mm. even our physicality, is bound by our psychology. So imagine how that extends onto how we perceive the outside world that isn't even attached to us. Well, let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think there's a hysteria around it that irritates me. But I, see, I like a ghost train and I like a haunted house and I like a horror film. I like to be scared. I enjoy the thrill of that. And I also love, like, I remember we had, a, my dad got paid, I think I mentioned this before, the caravan of the occult we had. So we had, uh, he got paid, he couldn't, this man in Rush gave him a mobile home because he couldn't afford to pay him. The next of we had this huge mobile home <laughs> inside of our house, which became our gang hangout in our teenage oh, years. It was so cute. so cute. Yeah, there was lots of, like, lots of teenage kissing going on in there. But there was also lots of, of Ouija boards and we were obsessed with contacting the dead and scare the bejesus out of each other. Woo! People would move the glass and the Ouija board. And I remember one time, it was like a horror film, where like, I had taken some glassware from mum's dining cabinet to, and made a Ouija board and next to the door. And I had never heard the word the occult. I didn't know that. So I was only about 12 or 13. And the door kept flying up in the flood of light behind my mother, like some sort of apparition. Apparition going, don't mess with the occult. We were like, ah! <laughs> so terrified so we'd bunk out at night and go through the woods at night and just to be scared so that thrill of that scary thing I love but and that's storytelling right? we used to go and to we're hardwired yeah. to uh, to tell stories and then also the adrenaline thrill of of that freeze on of scared and you know and exhilarated that's why people you know throw themselves off buildings in kite suits to get that thrill. So we'll, you know, we, we like it. We like that feeling and we'll get it where we, wherever we can find it, even if it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but mediums, I'm slightly cynical about that as well. I went to uh, um, uh, see a, a big, massive medium in South Africa, would you believe? We were coming back and the first 4664 concert was on for Nelson Mandela and Oprah and Bono and all were flying. We'd read this thing and we'd gotten tickets to it. And then the night before the 4664 concert, when we were buying the Getting picking up our tickets, there was a clairvoyant, and Wayne, my ex good friend of ours, still was like, Oh my god, there's a clairvoyant, and Wayne loves all that hocus pocus stuff. And so we went to this the night before, so we stayed in town basically at this concert, and we had nothing else to do on Friday. And we went, and what I could only describe as a theatre of death. So all these grieving people were in this audience and the medium was going, do I have a John in the audience? And the loads of hands would go up. Okay, John, did you lose a daughter or a mother? And he'd say, my daughter was attacked. And oh my Jesus, the stories. And the stories got worse and worse. It was people suffering immense tragedy and, and real hardcore loss were looking for anything from these mediums. Mm. And I remember sort of going, like... Uh, 
ultimately what I, I did leave going, ultimately those people left a little happier, felt that they maybe had connected in some way because mm. all the meeting was saying that they're happy now, they're on the other side, they want you to know that they're resting, you know. So the, the, the general... There was nobody going, she's in turmoil in hell. There was a, the, the general message Sends was... Sends her love. Yeah, the general message was, you know, let them go, relax, move on. But at the same time, I thought, this is unregulated. It's, it, it's really... Feeding on the vulnerable. Feeding on vulnerable people. And I just thought, oh, I don't really like this much now, I have to say. I, I thought it was very uncomfortable. So... I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the, the craze for the occult and mediums and Ouija boards and all that started in the mid 1800s in uptown New York, in Rochester, with two young girls called the Fox Sisters, who created, basically created our modern obsession with, wow. with all things occult. And it started with this uh, phenomenon of tapping and they reported to a neighbour that they heard tapping and that they could um, basically summon up at will the amount of taps. They could ask the spirit world to tap out five, ten, fifteen, whatever it was. And it became like it was ridiculous and it became this huge um, movement. You reminded me what the, the, what made me think about this was the, when the when the ghost hunter said on the microphone to the, you know, the reporter and then sort of cynic said, if you are, if there are any spirits there, tap once for yes and twice for no. <laughs> and the reporter said, "Why did you say tap twice for no?" <laughs> um, anyway, the whole thing, ha- having having created this sensation with people levitating tables and signing, like uh, I think it was. Um, Oh, whose who's wife was it? I can't remember. Houdini's wife. Houdini's wife, who who became obsessed with sign writing and becoming a a vehicle for the spirit world and 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 signing what they uh, what they heard um, as a medium. But it culminated sort of eighty years later with with uh, one of the girls sort of in the depths of alcoholism admitting to it all being down to an apple on a string. Really? Yeah. So it was debunked, but it was too late because everybody had gone obsessive about this phenomenon and it spawned, you know, mediums all over the world. Again, my mother says, and she woke up one night and her grandmother was sitting on the end of the bed telling her to be careful. Shut up, ma'am. She was not. (laughs) So it's like, oh my God. And and what happens is I'll sort of come into the room and and she was sitting on the end of the bed. I'm like, no, she wasn't. And they're like, oh, you're ruining it. You're just ruining it. Because I think you can, the hysteria can catch fire a little bit and can be quite damaging, sure. I think. Do you remember the weeping statues? That was bona fide hysteria. Yeah. The whole country. And it became an international news story. Like, it was huge. In Ireland. In yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Weeping statues. And moving statues. Moving statues. Weeping yeah. statues moving. Because you say, oh, it's moving. Why wouldn't it just move quicker? Or wave or something? <laughs> why do they move really slow? And why did they tap once for yes and twice for no? Like, why did they just say, I'm here? You know, who writes the and rules? And I wonder if, um, so the Irish Paranormal Investigator mm-hmm. Society uh, claimed that there was way more um, sightings of ghosts. Um I wonder if you looked back through history and charted times of great turmoil and social distress, do people channel their anxieties into domains that aren't in full reality? Or are people just home more? Look, when you, go to, when you go to a funeral, it's all about they're not gone, they're gone to another place and we'll all rejoice and rejoin each other in God's love and God's arms and all that. And that gives some people great solace. And, and when you go through it with somebody and you lose somebody... 
and you see you know the benefit of a belief that maybe there is another afterlife there is another place where we can reconnect with the that does make sense to me in that it makes the loss more bearable for some t- for some people if you have a faith and sometimes I'm kind of jealous of people who have faith to be honest because I do think it's, it's all very simple to believe in that and, and it's nice to go oh no 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 we're grand you can do what you like you'll ask for forgiveness and you'll be scooped up into our Lord's arms and off you'll live in a cloud and you'll all be happy and I think if you believed that that's kind of a nice thing to believe but I just don't believe that I, I um, yeah I've kind of moved past that so I do this little uh, weird thing when I see a robin redbreast because my dad used to feed a robin out the back garden and then I'm very disappointed to hear that it's quite a common thing that when people pass away they they attach to a robin because robins are quite uniquely uh, in this part of the world and they are kind of solo little birds and they'll pop in to look for food and so they're often and they're they're bright coloured so they we are they catch our eye so I was kind of disappointed to realise when I said God, my dad was really into the robin and every time I mentioned dad's name there's a robin there and people go oh, same and I'm like, oh that was my thing <laughs> get your own thing get, you get mag- you can have the magpies I hate them bastards <laughs> but, but um, so no, no I think I think you can attach yourself you can attach meaning to anything but I do believe that there is no there's no there's no centrifugal spiritual force that takes us off on a journey but I have been in situations where I've gone if it's real show me now <laughs> over and the, the years and the funny thing <laughs> yeah. is you know we are so hardwired by like I'd love it to be real what now? All of us. I'd love to be there to be another dimension. Now you see, the other thing is, then in terms of the universe, I do believe that our human mind has does not possess the capacity or ability to actually understand how the universe, the stretch, time beyond our own sense of what time is. We don't understand it, right? Like dogs don't understand time. We're next. We're more evolved. There's another evolution above us. I believe that hundred percent. And in, whether it's thinking, I believe that we're all connected by matter. We are all just proteins and you know cells, and we are all connected. So, uh, in a way, I think there is a there's a kind of a very explained uh, uh, connectivity which does influence us, um, and I think that's very interesting. But I don't think it's in the classic understanding of what the supernatural is, uh, or, or what we assume it might be. Do you know what I mean? But uh, no, like, uh, have I had incidents where, yeah, I've had massive coincidences happen and gone, you go, ooh, that could be construed as some sort of higher force involving. And I've had, at every dinner party I've ever been at, if you bring up the supernatural, it divides oh, it's, opinion. It's, and it's so evocative for everybody, That's what I mean, you know? yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, you know, supernatural, afterlife, religion, spirituality, you know, they're all slightly different and the same, right? Yeah. But I think I do agree with you that there is a sort of a an energy. Yeah. That that is all just transferred from one one thing to another. I mean, as you said, we're all just a form of energy. Um, whether we're alive or dead, we're either feeding the the earth or uh, becoming part of the seabed or whatever it is. And and I do think that coincidence thing is kind of interesting. And I I think that when you're open to that, to things coinciding, it can happen more easily. When your head is down and you're just living in a narrower world, I I don't think you experience those bits of magic that actually the universe is capable of offering you if if you're open to it. And that's not to say that I believe in the paranormal, but I do believe that wonderful things happen. 
tease that out a little bit do you think they happen beyond is there is there a force that makes them happen that's beyond us I, I think if you look at forget about super nature and look at nature right just look at what happens you know every spring the trees blossom every and this is going to sound very woo woo now but it's like you know when, when nature is allowed to do its thing it's it's supernatural in itself like amazing things happen it's only when we kind of get in the way of it that we screw it up. So if 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 you're kind of if you go in the flow of the the natural universal energy and you can kind of tap into that and open yourself up to I, I think a certain magic that exists in nature anyway, that I, I think great things can happen. You sound like a bit of a supernatural hippie now all of a sudden. It's not it's more natural than supernatural, I think, for me. Mm. Not in the sort of a ooey wooey kind of sense, but like ooey wooey. <laughs> you know that old expression. It's busy <laughs> wizzy, let's get busy. Is that it? Ooey wooey, let's get gooey. <laughs> you know those well-known expressions. You're saying that nature is just magic in itself. Yeah, like if we I just, think so. And we can take that in as that's what. Just we, accept it as it is, instead of wanting to make a story around it. Like believe in the magic that's in front of you. There you go. I'm looking at you. Well, kid. no, okay, yeah, but like. Okay, so when people argue with you and say, yeah, but I saw a ghost, you didn't. Well, one in four people in the UK... <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> one in four people in the UK claim to have seen a ghost. Now, uh, yeah, one in four people claim to have seen a ghost. I mean, have you ever... So you think you've seen a ghost, but no, you... No, I actually don't think I've seen a ghost. Okay. I don't think I've seen a ghost. I think I had a, a coincidental experience. See, because all the ghosts... led to a story. All around me, as growing up, there was hysterics, there was... Deborah was seeing ghosts, Suzanne was seeing ghosts, Mam was seeing ghosts. But funny enough, I never saw a ghost. And I'm like, well, I didn't see the ghost. But I did have a recurring nightmare as a child. And I remember it really well. And we always talk about this and the power of the mind. It was a terrifying recurring nightmare that I was about six or seven. I remember it really well. It was before my whole communion. And I would sleep in a single bed on the left-hand side of the room and Deborah's on the right-hand side. And Suzanne had the box room because she was a bit older. So we were still kids, basically. And a wolf would jump through the wall and they would feast on my leg and his family would join them. This little wolf, like a little boy wolf and then the mammy wolf and the daddy wolf. So they were kind of based on the, the long-snouted um, foxes from Goldilocks. You know, the... What's the fox? Bears? The, no, that's bears. Yeah, what's the fox from? Uh, Ride Riding Hood. So they were kind of wolf. cartoony wolfies. And they'd come in and I remember the mammy wolf had a bonnet and daddy wolf had a hat. And, the little and then they'd... And I'd be like, they'd be cooking my leg on an open fire and I'd wake up hysterical. And this went on for probably only a few nights. And my mother went downstairs and said, I have just the thing under the... This this, she, this wasn't the dream. This is real. She did this. I have ghost spray. And I was like, okay. And she went down and she had this spray can. I remember it was blue and... Sorry, it was red and white. And she sprayed the whole wall and I never had the dream again. Isn't that funny? No. That that takes me on to the suggestibility test. Oh, yeah. So... Oh, I'm very suggestible. <laughs> We get that. <laughs> so um, there is there is a test that you can take to see how suggestible you are uh, to hypnosis, to experiencing the paranormal. So I'm going to suggest... Remember we went to get hypnotised? Oh my God. <laughs> this is about 10 years ago and we were doing the stupid thing of smoking when we were out and we both said, look, we have to stop this bullshit smoking thing. And we weren't really proper smokers at all in our own defence, but we were slipping down a slidey slope and we looked up this person <laughs> and we went to be we went to be hypnotized well what a load of old shits that was and it was 250 quid each remember left lighter only of pocket yeah 
Well, I was like this outside of him out one eye open. Are you hypnotized? <laughs> but they say they some people can't be hypnotized, and obviously you two are, can't. You are too smart. Too smart. <laughs> there you go. I'd say that's it. Yeah. Well, ha- how about for the bonus episode, we all take the suggestibility test? Oh yeah. Okay. Is that a good idea? Yeah. All right. Okay, so we have a set of tarot at home, my mother's, and I read them every Christmas day to my family, but I make it up. As a party trick. Oh, oh it's very funny. So I'll go, oh, the three of knives, you're right, your flatmates are stealing from you. So, oh, you need to go to the gym, your heart is clogging up. And I kept like, oh, yeah, you're right, your husband's cheating on you. Okay, next. So Brilliant. Yeah, I went to a medium with Catherine. Um, uh, I'm not sure how it came about, but he lives in the Phoenix Park. I don't know if he still lives in the Phoenix Park, but he lived in the Phoenix Park at the time. I can't remember much detail. Catherine remembers remembers an awful lot more. I do think he said I was going to give birth to somebody who would become a pilot. And I don't think that's likely. That's the only piece of information that I held on to. There was a in Arklow and she was famously four foot five. Don't know why people knew how tall she was. And More of a small than a medium. Well, she she actually murdered somebody and the police were looking for her and the headline read, small, medium at large. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. <laughs> oh. The Lennon Courtney podcast is an Exceed Potential production. Episodes are produced by EOMD Productions. Follow at Lennon Courtney on all social media platforms for the latest news and updates. Rah!